I don't know about you, but I'm still excited about this Miami Heat win. And, you know, game seven was good, but, man, game six is where it was at, right? I mean, I remember watching this game, and I thought I was going to throw up. I mean, and then when I saw the Spurs cheering, I was like, I can't believe this. My wife was saying, it's such a shame. It's such a shame. And then all of a sudden, these guys pulled it off and won game six. It was so awesome. And then on Thursday night, um, a couple months ago, I agreed to teach at this conference. And it happened to be on Thursday night. And I remember on Tuesday calling and saying, hey, bro, um, is there any way that uh, I could teach on Wednesday? You know, um, I got some something to do on Thursday. <laughs> And they're like, no, everything's printed, the book is printed, everything's, you know, and I'm like, okay, I'll be there. And here's the tough part is that I was preaching about making yourself available, right? <laughs> and so it was like God gave me, like, the topic way before the heat were ever in this uh, position. And so uh, as I'm teaching, man, I'm thinking, I'm seeing people to worship. I'm like, man, why is this guy singing so much and stuff? And I'm looking at my watch, and I texted my wife, like, you better be pausing the game, you know. And uh, I saw it was a great night. I mean, towards the end, when, they, when it was obvious that they were going to win, I was yelling so loud. My three kids were asleep, and they all woke up. All right, that was part of a plan, actually, that I'm confessing to you this morning, honey. Um, because I wanted to go to La Cuarentinueve. I wanted to go to 49th Street with my caderos. A couple of my friends were at the house. I mean, I have a picture of me with my cadero. There I am. With my El Heat jersey. And there I am, banging on the cadero. Here's, here's a, my kids were super tired. Thank God, God blessed us with this shopping cart from Bed Bath and Beyond. And, uh, and we, we cruised down 49th Street with the kids and the caderos. It was awesome. There's Pastor John and Alex and Stephanie there. Um, I mean, it was so much fun. You know, it's awesome, okay, and, and I wanted to experience this because we're living in an awesome time, an awesome season here in South Florida. You know, we have the best team in the NBA, the best player in the NBA, and isn't it crazy how many haters they are out there, right? People hating, hi haters, there we are, right? So many people hating the heat because LeBron decided to bring his talents to South Beach. I'm sure if he would have taken his talents to New York City, everyone would have loved them up there in New York, you know, that's right, Woo. And uh, so check it out. Um, I had a friend of mine. Uh, he was in Costa Rica during game seven. He's at a restaurant in Costa Rica watching the game. He told me I was the only Heat fan. In Costa Rica? All right. They probably didn't even know anyone on the Spurs except Mano Ginobili. Poor guy. I feel so sorry for that guy. And, uh, and so, man, it just seems like the entire world, there was an interview with uh, some of the players. And they said, no, it feels like everyone hates us right? Doesn't life feel like that sometimes? Like everyone is against us? Like we can't get one in, man. Everybody is out to get us. There's so many haters out there. People pulling us back from, from achieving what we're supposed to be achieving. Well, you know what? The whole world is not against us. There's not a whole bunch of people hating on us. There's actually only one thing that is keeping us from becoming the person that God created us to be. There's one thing that is robbing us from achieving everything that we can achieve through the favor of God. One thing that has a power to put the, a stop to the plans that God has for you. And that 
is what we're going to be talking about today as we continue in this series called Becoming the Road from Here to There in a message that I've entitled Becoming Blessed. Who wants to be blessed? Doesn't sound like too many people. Who wants to become blessed? Amen. Well, check out what the Bible says, 1 Peter chapter 5. It's in your outline. It says this, all of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. If you stop there, give me your attention. Here the Bible is telling us that the key to the power in your life is humility. You want the favor of God? You want God to bless your family? You want God to bless your children? You want God to bless your business? You want God to bless your studies? You want to experience the abundant life that God has promised all of his children? Then we need to get rid of the pride in our life. The key barrier to the power in your life is pride. Because when I'm full of pride, you know what? I can't change. When I'm full of pride, I can't change. And there's two different kinds of pride that the Bible talks about. There's good pride. All right, self-respect, dignity, satisfaction in a job well done, joy in seeing others succeed. Those kinds of things are, are good pride. And then there's bad pride. It's what all of us know. It's being conceited, arrogant, egotism. You know, someone said that egotism is the only disease that when you got it, it makes everyone else sick. It's an attitude of superiority, that kind of pride. See, there's a lot of great stars out there and, and uh, movie stars and sports stars and rappers and rock stars. And they're not known for their humility. There's this one guy, his name was Muhammad Ali. You guys know him? Here's a picture of Muhammad Ali. Over and over, what would he say? I am the best. I'm the best in the world. I'm the greatest that ever lived. One time, Muhammad Ali, he was on an airplane. All right, and the stewardess is walking down the aisle. I'm sure it was in first class. And she said, excuse me, sir, can you put your seatbelt on? And Muhammad Ali looked at her and said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And the lady was taken back and she looked at him dead in the eyes and said, Superman doesn't need a plane. <laughs> How many of you would say, I know somebody, I've met someone i work with someone that has an ego problem i married someone i'm sitting next to somebody that has an ego problem on the other hand how many of you would say i'm truly a humble person you see pride is easy to see in other people but it's hard to see in ourselves the bible teaches us that pride causes all kinds of problems and what problems does pride cause in my life the first thing is that pride prevents me from growing it prevents me from growing. Pride robs us of achieving everything that we're capable to achieve through the favor of God. You may be thinking, I have it all together. I don't need any motivation to keep growing. You may say, I've done enough for God. I've served God enough. I've done enough good in my life. I've gone to enough small groups. I don't need to sign up for a small group. I've led enough small groups. I've done enough. See, there's some of you here right now, they're probably thinking, I don't need this message. Yes, you do. We all need this message. There's some of you here right now that you're probably thinking, man, why did I come to church today to hear this? You know what Proverbs 26, 12 says? It says, there is more hope for a fool than for a man who is wise in his own eyes. 
There's more hope for a fool than for a man that thinks he's wise in his own eyes. God is talking about the denial of pride. Pride that causes me to deny that I have any weaknesses. People say, you know what? I don't even know my faults. I can't really like confess my faults or, or I, I don't really see anything wrong with me. If, 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 I, if I did though, I promise you that I would change that kind of attitude, that kind of pride. See, when I was younger, I would always run my car on empty. All right, anybody else? You know, just trying to see how far you could take that E, you know, and, and every week, you know, every couple of weeks, and man, I went this, I wonder if I go a little bit more. I remember going on dates with my girlfriend who later married me. I don't know why she married a guy who's always on empty, right? And, uh, and, and we're, we're in the car, and the first thing that she would do was check how much gas I had in the car. I'm like, you haven't even given me a kiss yet, and you're checking the gas? And I'm like, baby, we're rocking E today, all right? And, and I'll bring you home. And she'll be like, we're going to run out of gas. I know it. And so we go to the movies. I bring her back home on E. And I'd say, we made it. All right. And night after night, I mean, I'd put gas eventually, four or five bucks in the car. You know, gas was cheaper back then. And, uh, and I'd get around. And, and, and one night we went out to eat. We went to the movies. And I brought her home. And I said, look, empty. We're home. And as I turned the block, I started driving back to my parents' house. Guess what happened? My car starts having an epileptic seizure. <laughs> And I'm thinking like, oh, it's my spark plugs. Oh, I should have changed that. Oh, it's this. And no, I ran out of gas. And I had to walk to the gas station. A couple blocks. Not only did I have to walk to the gas station, I had to buy one of those red containers because I was never going to run out of gas. Why do I need one of those red containers? All right? Later, I had a collection of red containers. Okay? And check this out. I had to walk, get gas, spend a bunch of money on that red container, come back to my car. And I could have called my girlfriend and said, hey, can you give me a ride? But I was too proud to call her and ask for a ride. Uh, she probably doesn't even know. This is the first time, honey, I told the first group that you had never heard this story. So this is really what happened. And, uh, and I didn't want her to bring her dad because she wouldn't have come in the middle of the night to take me to get gas. She would have come with her dad. Can you imagine la muela that he would have given me? The lecture that he would have given me. You shouldn't run out of gas. It's irresponsible. What if you would have run out of gas on the Palmetto with my daughter in the car? Blah, 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 blah. My pride kept me from calling them. My, my pride kept me from putting gas in my car. That's what pride does. It robs us. Proverbs ten seventeen says, anyone willing to be corrected is on the pathway to life. Anyone refusing has lost his chance. Wow. Pride keeps me from getting help. If I've got marriage problems and I won't talk to anyone about it, that's pride. If I got financial problems and I won't go get help, that's pride. When I'm not cutting it as a parent, when I'm not cutting it at work, when I, when I don't let anyone know about my faults and where I need help, it's keeping me from growing. We'd rather look smart than be smart. We'd rather people think like, man, this guy's so smart, but no, he's really an idiot. All right, we want to... We pretend that we're smart the way to be smart is by being humble one of the ways that you can tell if you are dealing with pride is to ask yourself the question am i teachable see pride prevents me from growing and it also pride poisons my relationships the root of all conflict and disharmony in life is pride when we act out of pride, we tend to be demanding. We tend to be unsympathetic. I'm going to have it my way. It's my way. My way is the right way. We become obnoxious and rude. It's my way or the highway. My daughter, she's two years old. And this little girl at two years old has the biggest attitude, that little girl. 
I mean, she has this my way, it's the highway attitude. And sometimes people tell me, that's good. That's good because no one's going to be able to boss her. I'm like, no, but her dad needs to be able to tell her what to do. And let me tell you, sometimes when I say, Stella, can you come here? Stella, put your shoes on. And she looks at me and says, nope. I mean, that's a nope. And she knows what she's saying. I mean, sometimes I laugh because it's so cute, but it's so wrong. And I have to discipline her and be like, you're putting your shoes on right now. And I give her this mad dog look, which now she's learning and giving back to me. And you know what? She's only two, and it's cute. But you know what? There's a bunch of adults that are acting like two-year-old little girls. I'll take it a step further. There's a lot of men out there acting like two-year-old little girls. Pride destroys relationships. Proverbs 13.10 says this. Pride only breeds quarrels. Pride breeds problems. The root of so many of your marriage problems today is plain old pride. Matthew 7, 5 says, take the log out of your own eye first, and then you will be able to see and take the speck out of your brother's eye. When I refuse to admit that I'm part of the problem, then that causes pride to destroy and be harmful in relationships. So many family conflicts could be resolved if someone would just admit, it was me, I'm wrong. But pride is robbing you from that. There are some families here today that are divided. Brothers and sisters that don't talk. Family members that don't talk to other family members. Some of you here today, you didn't go visit someone on Father's Day because of pride. Some of you didn't go see your own parents because of pride. It doesn't matter how you slice it, it's pride. And sometimes there are situations that a father gets angry at his son or his daughter. And he says, get out of my house, get out of here. And pride keeps this family divided. Because, hey, maybe it was the son or the daughter's fault. And if she would just say, if he would just say, hey, dad, you know what? I thought about this. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Or maybe it was the dad that he was a jerk and he, he, he was out of line or, or he did things he shouldn't have done. If the dad would have just said, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I haven't been there. I disrespected you or I hurt you. You know, let's figure this out. But pride keeps families divided. You see, the key to reconciliation is to simply swallow your pride. If there's a problem in your family right now, some of you here today are experiencing family problems. You haven't talked to people for years. You don't really have a relationship with some people. All you need to do to resolve the issue is to swallow your pride. See, I really want to thank everyone for the past couple months encouraging me and thank and telling me, hey, you look great. You keep it up. You've lost so much weight. And, and I just want to say thanks. Um, I've actually lost 125 pounds. And um, thank you. That's more than my wife weighs. So that's pretty messed up. Poor woman. And uh, you know what? I'm always looking for something that's low calorie to eat. Something that's, that's non-fattening to eat. You know what? If you swallow your pride, it's non-fattening and it's low calorie. All right? The third thing that pride does is pride produces stress and anxiety. Unnecessarily, it produces stress and anxiety. People worry so much about their image. How do I look? We're in this me generation. We're very interested in status and position and an image. South Florida is known for, for its vanity and its cosmetic surgery. South Florida is known for being extravagant. 
People are so concerned with their image and their reputation. So many parents drive their kids crazy about being the best in your class and you have to have straight A's and you have to take all these AP classes and you got to do all this. And it's not really for the kid to excel or to be better. It's so that the parent could go to work and tell all the friends, oh, my kid's the best. Or so that you can go and tell your sister or your brother, oh, my children have straight A's. I don't know why your kids are getting D's and C's. You know, it's for the parents' pride. And yeah, it's good for kids to get good grades, but, but check your heart. Why is it that you push them so much? Why is it that you're so unflexible? When my kids were in T-ball, there were moments that my heart would break when I would see some kid miss a ball or, or get struck out and they'd come back to the dugout and the dad's like, ah, I told you to pay attention, to look at the ball. And you'd see these kids that played so well just get broken, their face just like, you know, they become deflated. Parents that just want their kids to be good in sports so that they can brag about it, so that they can, can boast about it. Sports are ruining the lives of so many teenagers. Because the parents are just pushing them to gratify their own ego. Have you guys ever seen the show Toddlers and Tierras? I mean, this show is sad. All right, I actually brought a clip, and I want you guys to check this clip out. I want you to call me Darla. Diva Sassy Darla. Is Darla here? I'm right here. So it's right now your total Darla mode right now? No. You better Carly's not be in the car. Carly better be in the car. It better be Dar. Yeah. It's Dar on me. Both Carly and I take pageants very seriously. I don't want to practice. You're going to be very sorry. Okay. The iPod will be gone. Just stop. Then stop. We spent $30,000 on pageants. Get started. Why do we have to get started? Yeah. Carly is as close to an exact replica of me as there could ever be and I feel like her and I are the same person we live the same life and we're best friends and I just feel like that is me on stage we're doing Cruella DeVille no I want it up what do you hear me okay we're doing the Cruella DeVille run-through. I want you this. You are driving me crazy. Can you believe this? This woman wants her daughter to be someone she's not. You're not Carly. You're Darla. All right? And then, this, and then she's saying, we're on national television. Don't say no to me. All right? When they leave, you can do whatever you want. But we're on TV right now. It's so crazy. Tremendo came in. She's nuts. She's out of her mind. A crazy mom trying to achieve success through her children. Happiness is often the casualty of pride. It causes stress in their life. Proverbs 29, 25 says, It is dangerous to be concerned with what others think. Wow. Pride can cause depression because it's trying to live out an image on the outside. But on the inside, that's not who we really are. We have everybody thinking that we're something that we're not. And at night, when we get in bed, we put our head on the pillow, we realize who we really are, and it kills us. You can fool everyone else, but you can't fool yourself. It causes discouragement, depression, and disillusion. Matthew 5, 5 says this, happy are the humble. Happy are the humble. Humility is the mark of an emotionally healthy person. 
Pride is the mark of an emotionally insecure person. If I have to prove something to someone, that means I'm insecure on the inside. Emotionally healthy people aren't concerned about status, image, pride, ego. They've found their satisfaction in something else. As followers of Jesus, our satisfaction, our recognition, the one that accepts us is Jesus Christ. That is the one that we need to look to. And so the question that we need to answer today and we need to ask is how can I become humble and happy? The first thing you must do is I must admit my weaknesses. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. Some of you probably heard all this stuff about pride and probably said, man, I'm struggling with pride. That's something that I'm struggling with. Admit your weaknesses. And God is telling you today that you will get another chance. God is the God of second chances. Humility starts by being honest about your weaknesses. Yeah, I don't have it all together. You don't have it all together. None of us have it all together. None of us are perfect. But you know what? We're growing. We're trying to attain it through Jesus Christ. The second thing we need to do is that we must live in reality. We must live in reality. Pride is based on a false evaluation of ourselves. Humility is based on truth. The Bible says that you will know the truth and what? And the truth will set you free. You feel like there's a lot of haters out there. A lot of people keeping you from achieving what you need to achieve. You know what the Bible says? That you will know the truth. If you seek Christ, you can find the truth and the truth will set you free. The Bible says that God is on your side, that God is for you. And that if God is for you, no one could stand against you. Romans 12, 3 says this, don't cherish exaggerated ideas of yourself or your own importance, but try to have a sane estimate of your capabilities. Circle that word saying. It means be realistic in your evaluation. We must live life in reality. And here's the thing. I want to clear something up. Humility is not by walking around like Eeyore and be like, oh, my life stinks. You know, I'm humble. I'm like a worm. I'm dirt. No, that's not what humility is. Jesus didn't die for dirt. Jesus didn't die for nothing. Jesus died for you. And if Jesus died for you, if he gave his life for you, that means that you are important. I want you to repeat this with me. Say, I am important. Jesus. Hello? I said, Jesus died for me. I am important. Jesus died for me. Humility is not denying your strength, but it's about being honest about your weaknesses. The fact is that you have strengths and you got it from God. You have talents. You're very talented in some areas. I'm very talented in some areas, but I'm also very weak in some areas too. Humility is not denying your strength. It's being honest about your weaknesses, being realistic about your strength. It says to have a sane evaluation of them. 
My son Joshua, okay, he's always asking me, Papi, do you love me? He's always looking for my recognition. The other day, I'm with my kids, and they're with another group of kids, and they're all running around and playing. And, and my son Caleb, my oldest son, he's six years old. This kid is super fast. I mean, and I always see him, like, beat his brother racing, and I see him, you know, run faster than his two-year-old little sister. But this day, he was running faster than all the other little kids in the park. And so I, I went up to him to encourage him, and I said, buddy, you're so fast. You're faster than all the kids in this park. And he's like, oh, Poppy, thank you, whatever. He started playing. And then I noticed Joshua under the slide crying. And I come up to Joshua. I'm thinking, this kid's always up to no good. All right, I'm thinking he fell off the slide. He hit his head with the slide. He did something. And so I'm like, hey, buddy, why are you crying? Did you get hurt? And he said, no, I'm crying because Caleb is faster than me. And I'm never going to be as fast as Caleb. And then I, that was sad to hear that. And I said, hey, you know what? I didn't lie to him. I said, no, you're probably never going to be as fast as Caleb. But Caleb is never going to be as strong as you. You know, God made all of us different, with different gifts and different talents. And you are special in God's eyes. And there's things that you are good at and things that you're going to be good at that Caleb is going to be bad at. And you should have seen his face when I told him that Caleb was going to be bad at something. All right? And now he's missing a couple teeth, and it was so cute to see him smile. He looked like Turtle Man, you know, with, with the gaps in his teeth. And, and, and he was so happy because I told him that God made him special. That God made him different. God made you in the palm of his hands to be who you are. Galatians 6, 4 says this. Each man should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. He's talking about the good kind of pride here. Self-esteem. The satisfaction in a job well done. You could take pride in yourself when you do a good job. But notice the danger. He says you could take pride in yourself as long as you don't compare yourself to someone else see there's a problem when you compare yourself to someone else every time you're going to find someone that you're better than and then you know what's going to happen pride's going to come into your heart and every time you could also find someone that's better than you that's doing better than you and then you know what then you're going to get depressed you're going to feel sad that's what pride does it destroys you it kills you either way don't compare yourself the Bible says that it's dumb to compare yourself. You are unique. God made you to be you. There is no one else like you. Like two snowflakes. There's no other snowflake that's like another snowflake. And we haven't seen that many snowflakes. But let me tell you something. If you today decide not to be who you are, who God created you to be, you're not just robbing yourself from having the best life possible. You're robbing us. We need you. God created you at a specific moment in time to be living right now, to be in this room, to not just be a blessing for yourself, but to be a blessing for those that are around you. Begin to live the life that God created you to live and stop comparing yourself to, to LeBron. You know, I'm never going to be as good as LeBron. I know that. All right. But there's things that he's never going to be as good as I am. at. There's things in our life that, you know what, you just got to accept the fact that God made you special. Not missing something. I'm not good at that. You know what? I wasn't meant to be good at that. I'm a child of God, created by God. God loves me. Don't compare yourself to other people. The third thing you must do is give God the glory for your success. I must give God the glory for my success. We need to have an attitude of gratitude. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says... What, what, what are you so puffed up about? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, why act as though you have accomplished something on your own? 
Everything that you have, it comes from God. You don't have anything that was given to you that you have that, what, that doesn't come from God. Oh, but, but I built this business with my two hands. Well, who gave you those two hands? I thought of this great idea, and that's how I made all my money. That's where I got my success. Where did you get your mind? All your energy, your time, your talent, where did it come from? It comes from God. How many of you chose the genes in your, and the chromosomes of your DNA? You didn't choose that. How many of you chose where you were going to be born? I was born in Hialeah Hospital. I wish I could have changed that. All right? Just kidding. I'm proud. I'm proud of that. <laughs> you didn't choose your parents? God made that decision. It is out of your control. Everything you have is a gift from God. What you do with it, what you do with those gifts is how you give your gift back to God. It's how you give God the glory. By using those special gifts and talents that he's given you. When you give it back to him. When you give him praise. When you give him glory. That's how we return our thanks to God. You realize in your success that it comes from God. Even though you have talent. And yeah, there's some things that you did because you had discipline. You have ability. You did work hard. But where did you get the energy to work? Always think about that. Where did you get the talent? Where did you get this ability? You need to remember that the source of your success is God. At the bottom line, the source is God. James 1.17 says this, Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. It all comes from God. The fourth thing that we need to do is I must humble myself voluntarily. I must humble myself voluntarily. James 4.10 says this, Humble yourself before the Lord. And what is he going to do? And he will lift you up. Humility is a choice. It's something that you do. You take action. Humility is a verb. Humility is a verb. It means we got to do it. You can read through the entire Bible cover to cover. And you're never going to find anywhere that it says, ask God to humble you. Ask the Lord to humble you. No, it says, humble yourself. Humility is something that we must do. It's a choice that you need to make. It's a way that you choose to think, how you act, how you respond to others, the things that you say. It is a choice. I choose to think, to act, to speak in a humble way. And then there is a promise. There's a promise from God when we choose to humble ourselves. He says, if you humble yourself, I'm going to lift you up. It's a paradox. God is saying, the way up is down. The more I humble myself, the more God lifts me up. The more I am honest about my weakness and grateful about the success in my life. And I recognize where that source is coming from. The source of my success, the source of my blessing, it comes from God. Then the Bible teaches us that he lifts us up. Some of you are wondering, man, why, why can't I achieve what I know that I'm capable of achieving? It's pride. Not the world, not the haters. It's one thing. And it's pride. First Peter 5, 5, 7. I want to read it again. It says, all of you, every single one of us, clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud. See, there's a lot of people in the NBA that say that this guy right here, LeBron, he's the best defender. He's just not a good scorer. He's the best defender. 
So when you're on the opposing team, a lot of people, they don't want LeBron to cover him. You know who I don't want to oppose me? It's God. I mean, everyone could be against me, all the haters. Everyone could be like, no, no, no to Mark. As long as God says yes to me, I'm all right. It says that God opposes. Man, that's, that's, that's strong. That's a strong statement. God opposes the proud, but he gives favor to the humble. He gives favor to the humble. How many of you ever needed a big favor? And man, you ask someone, hey, man, I, I need this big favor, and they came through for you. I'm going to ask George and the band to come out. There's some of you here today that you need the favor of God on your life. And you've been wondering, man, how come, how come I don't have the favor of God in my life? Today you've learned that it's pride. And pride is robbing you. It has a hold on you. The Bible says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And today I want to give you the opportunity to come face to face with truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. Let's come face to face with the truth today and embrace the life that God has established. He's just not said, oh, you're going to live this life. It's something that he established. This is how your life should be. And yet there's this little thing that you are allowing to rob you from it. And I want to give you an opportunity today to embrace that life with everything that you got. And what you need to do today is cry out to Jesus, cry out to the truth and say, I'm sorry, I messed up. There's stuff in my life that I need to change. There's areas in my life that I need to surrender to you. I need to humble myself before you, God, and say, I'm sorry. There's mistakes that I've done. But today, I want that life. I want the favor of God in my life. I don't want God to oppose me. I want him to give me his favor. And then check out how this all wraps up. Our scripture today says, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand. And then he will lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Jesus cares for you. In your darkest moment, in your darkest hour, Jesus cares for you. And you have the opportunity right now. I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. And the song that George is going to sing is, I'm found in your arms of love. I'll run. I'll run to you, Jesus. In the first service, I hadn't even opened the invitation. And two people came running down the aisle. There's some of you that you need to run down the aisle right now and come up here and say, God, I humble myself before you. I'm sorry. I surrender and I'm ready. I am ready to take hold of the life that you have for me. This life of victory that you promised me. Amen. Praise the Lord. Is there anyone else today that's saying, you know what? God, I want it. I need it. I need it now. I humble myself before you, Lord, and I say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Praise God. I'm sorry for the mistakes in my life. I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect.
We're all a bunch of sinners in this room saved by the grace of God. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, maybe you're a Christian and you've been walking with God for some time and pride has come into your life. Today you need to rededicate your life to Christ. I want to invite you to come forward. Rededicate your life to Jesus this morning and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm back. Take all of me, all that I am, everything that I am, I surrender it to you. As the band sings, I invite you.